Real Life Radio is sponsored by River City Community Church. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and then find it to the full. And that's what Jesus said in John 10.10. 10. And we're wrapping up this series called Unseen, Awakening Real Faith. And today's message is called Eyes of Faith. Pastor Sean is teaching from the book of 2 Kings and gets some help in telling the story from the leadership from the children's ministry. It's time for Real Life Radio. Well, we're going to wrap up today our series called Unseen. Okay, if you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings 6. Now, and I don't, the I mean, idea where that are the we've kids had... At? Where are the kids? I don't... I, it seems you know, like... We, I mean, we were, we've been up there for 30 minutes. Trying and they're not here. I do. Maybe, they were, that, maybe we, they were abducted by aliens, Daryl. Aliens. Aliens, Daryl. Dudes. But, dudes. Oh, dudes. Oh, 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 hey. Hey, Pastor. Well, first of all, time. To, we, we got a thing going here. And, and yes, we've got the kids. It's Family Sunday. You, I've got the kids. You have you, the kids? What, well, we had this story planned. And, uh, what, what, did, what did you have planned? Well, yes, you that problem. We're doing Second Kings chapter six. Second <gasps> Kings six. What a coincidence! What a coincidence. That's the same story sure. we were going to do. I'm yes. sure it's a coincidence. It's as coincidental uh-huh. as us wearing mics. Yes. I have a great idea that what? I just thought of and have not been planning a week for. <laughs> What if you let us tell the story? That would be Ooh. a good idea. Uh, what do y'all think? Do y'all think we should tell the story? What do you all say? All right, fine, whatever. Hey, hey, y'all rock and roll. Yes. You're yeah. good. All right. all right, all right, Kevin, let's get this thing up here. When the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with its officers and say, we are mobilizing our forces at such and such a place. Where? Such, such and such. Do we have a map or something to such and such? I, think I, I, don't I know. might have a map. Do you let have me see. a map of such and such? Let me Where's dig through here. I have a, oh, I have a map. Aha! Good, good. Go ahead. Put that up. Hold right. on. Hopefully it's got such and such. Go. So the king of Aram was at war with Israel. He would confer with his officers and say... Uh, uh, Gerald? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, did the Armenians, did they invade Arkansas? Because this is a map no. of Arkansas. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry. It's really the only map I could find. I have it in my car. Like, my son and I were uh, taking a trip to Indiana, and we were driving through Arkansas because that's really what you should do. For Arkansas, let's drive through it. Straight through. And yes, and we stopped at the uh, welcome station, and they had. Uh, they said, "You would you like a map?" So I said, "Sure, sure." I think they're the only uh, state in the union that that uh, actually uh, prints maps. So, when the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, "We will mobilize our forces at such and such a place." Okay, let's so do let's, this. Let's go ahead let's and do, let's that. do that. Set that down so there. we confer. Okay. Uh, Confer, 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 confer. To such and such! To right there! Such and such. Let's go! Ah! Ah! I don't know. Maybe we should have used GPS. And maybe. All right, so here's what was going on behind the scenes. Elisha, the prophet of the living God, was in Israel at the same time warning the king of Israel, saying, don't go to such and such because the Arameans are going to be there. And every time he would warn them, don't go to such and such. The Arameans are going to be there no more. And every time they would go, crickets, go, crickets. So this made the king of Aram very mad. And so the king of Aram said, I know that one of you is, uh, how you say, a, a traitor. Which one of you is it? What? Oui, what's, no. What's, oui. With, we, we, what, what's with the French accent? Well, it's, it's better than my German accent, so... Okay, well, you got a point there. But now we've got French invading Arkansas, and that's... Okay, so... So, he, what did he say again? I know that one of you is a traitor. Oui? Right. No? Oui? Which one of you is it? Uh-huh. So he thought there was a spy amongst them. 
So the officer, one of the officers of the king of Aram ran to him and said, ah, Your majesty, it's not, it's not one of us. Elijah, the prophet of God, he's telling the king of Israel even the things that you say in the privacy of your own bedroom. (gasps) No! No! We must find him and send troops to seize him! And so they did. They found out he was in Dothan, and they sent troops. They sent armies of chariots and horses and men to surround the city of Dothan. Now, I don't know about you, but this seems like a bad plan. I mean... Wasn't it Elisha? How are they going to sneak up on Elisha? This doesn't make any sense. But they did it anyway, and off they went. Now, the Bible says the next morning that Elisha's servant, next morning. Oh, good job, Kevin. The next morning. Here we go. All right, the next morning, I'll I'll go ahead and be the uh, servant of Elisha. Let me go ahead. All right, and it was the next morning, so let me go ahead and lay down here. Ah, Okay. I just got down. <sighs> so Elijah's servant sees the massive army and he cries out, Elijah, what are we going to do? I mean, look at, they're huge. They're, they're, they're everywhere. And Elisha said, Don't be afraid. Those with us are more than those with them. Jazz hands. Jazz hands. Okay. All right. Here, 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 here. All right. Give me another shot. Give me another here, here shot. I got and it. he said, he Don't said, be afraid. Those with us are more than those with them. Those with us? are more than, there's just two of us, and there's this massive army. I mean, how could that be? How could that, there's not Uh, more with us than with them. Please, Lord, open his eyes. And God opened the servant's eyes, and he saw above the king, uh, uh, the Aramean army, he saw above them horses and chariots of fire all around the city. Not that, chariots of fire. Your lawyers are getting back at me. All right, so this was, this was the armies of the living God surrounding the city above the Ramian army. There were more. There were more. And the Bible says then, while they're standing there, the Ramian army starts to charge towards them. Elijah, Elijah, they're getting closer. Elijah, Elijah, Elijah. The Aramean army went completely blind by the hand of God. Now, I kind of picture this like the horses, they're rushing. Now, I don't know if the horses went blind, but at least the people did. And it was like, like, what are we going to do? And so Elijah went out and he spoke to them. He said, the person you're looking for isn't here. Let me take you to him. And so he led them about 10 miles to Samaria. And he led them into the city of Samaria and once they got in the city, closed the gate, he said, God opened their eyes. Their eyes were opened, and they saw that they were trapped inside of the city of Samaria with the king of Israel. And the king of Israel says to Elijah, should I kill him? Should I kill him? And Elijah said, no, 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 no. That's not how we're going to treat uh, you know, prisoners of war. We're going to feed them something, give them something to drink, and let them go. And so he threw a feast for them and then let them go. And they never bothered them again. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Pastor Sean, 2 Kings chapter 6, as told by representatives of the children's ministry with jazz hands. Well done. Well done. You see, that brings a story that, again, the guys did a superb job. It was very funny in their telling. Thanks, Wes. I appreciate it. Uh, It brings it 
kind of back to real life because we all do. We all have those things that we face that hit us that do seem like an invading army. And I don't think any of us are exempt, kids, students, adults. It's just uh, a part of life. It's a part of walking and living and breathing in a fallen world. And that, that's where we are. And so this, these simple verses, 2 Kings 6, 16 and 17. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. I love the fact that he didn't actually pray that the circumstance would change. That's what's interesting. And that's what I want us to kind of just pause and think about. He didn't pray, Lord, wipe out that army. Not at this point. He just prayed, Lord, open his eyes. Just open his eyes. Let him see the bigger picture. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes. He looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now, we have note sheets in in the bulletin, so if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write this down because I'd like you to take this with you. It says, sometimes, this is our main point this morning, sometimes God doesn't need to change our situation, but simply how we see it. Sometimes God doesn't need to change our situation, but simply how we see it. Because we don't always see everything as accurate. Now, let me just explain. What we see is real. Very important point, it's not all that's real. What we see is real, but it's not all that's real. The army that this servant saw was real. The weapons they had were real. The fact that they were overwhelmed and outnumbered, all real. But what Elisha knew, that this servant didn't know, it's not all that's real. There's another reality something bigger. You know, I, I think we, we throw the phrase around, you know, appearance, appearances can be deceiving. What we see can sometimes trick us. There's a uh, technique in photography called forced perspective, and it really employs an optical illusion to make an object appear differently, like bigger, smaller, farther away. It uses the idea that our brain will fill in the gaps on certain things, and you can mess with perspective to create different optical illusions. This is an example of forced perspective photography. Take a look at these. See, there's not actually a velociraptor attacking those people right now, okay? I think that's real, though. That's awesome. Uh, That is awesome. This is one of the oldest in the book, but, of course, everybody in Italy does that. There you go. Eiffel Tower. I have one with the Eiffel Tower like that. But, you know, that's, that's an obvious thing where you, we look at those and go, okay, that can't be real, so we figure it out. But, but we see, but wait a minute, that's what it looks like. But we understand that can't be real. I want to suggest to you when we actually walk through life, there are things that we see, and again, they might be real, but they're not all that's real, but how we respond to them can actually distort them and cause them to come kind of out of context and they can begin to take over the whole picture. And that's why I think this scripture is such a great illustration. Sometimes God doesn't need to change our situation, but simply how we see it. In Acts chapter 26, the Apostle Paul is before King Agrippa, and he's telling, he's looking back and telling of his encounter on on the Damascus Road with Christ. So he's telling him what happened. Remember? Bright light, Paul down on the ground, and he encounters Jesus. And he tells the story in verse 15. He says, then I asked, who are you, Lord? 
I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up, stand on your feet. I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you've seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to, listen listen to this, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. Let me read that again. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sin and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now, we understand that's essentially what our salvation is all about. So many people in this room have accepted Christ as Savior and know that's the process, that spiritually, apart from Christ, we are out of alignment with what God created us for, we are out of relationship with Him, and it is as though we are living in a spiritual darkness. Spiritual things just don't even make sense. But we understand that when Jesus Christ came into our lives, that it was like the light was turned on. And that's that phrase that Paul used, opening our eyes to turn them from darkness to light. And we understand that when it comes to our salvation. It was like a light went on. All of a sudden I saw God's real, his presence. I saw forgiveness in Jesus Christ. I saw the power of the cross. I understood what this whole thing is about. It made sense. What's funny, though, is many of us who who call ourselves Christians, we understand this, turning the lights on, but then when we we go kind of live our life, it's like, man, my soul is secure in Christ. I understand I've got Christ indwelling in me. I'm walking with Jesus. But then we start facing things, and all of a sudden, it's like we look at them with the lens of unbelief, and the lights are turned off again. And all of a sudden now, we're walking in darkness when it comes to this situation or this relationship, or this particular issue that I'm struggling with. It's like I understand the light's on, but now I look at it and all of a sudden the unbelief turns the lights off. And, I, and I'm looking at that as though God isn't real, as though his presence isn't with me, as though the very God of the universe who saved me isn't indwelling in me. We realize the light And we realize his presence and his redemption and his power. But sometimes it's almost like it's in theory. But then we continue to process through a place of unbelief or darkness. That's why I love this story in 2 Kings 6. And so I think there's three great lessons from the story we just heard. Let me share them with you real quickly. The first is don't panic, pray. Don't panic, pray. That's what the prophet did that I thought was so powerful. He didn't panic. His his servant was afraid and was right on the edge. And he didn't. He prayed. Prayer is a powerful response of faith. It is actually the core response of faith. Because it always determines what you believe. Because when you come up against it, when that pressure comes on, you're going to respond based on what you believe. You know, if I, when the pressure comes on, I turn to my River City lawyers and look for them to bail me out, okay? Nothing wrong with lawyers, okay? Or if I turn to my financial resources, I turn to the problem solvers in the world, or whatever it is I turn to. Not that those things are bad. It's just, if the last thing I turn to is prayer, that is a clue as to where the belief is in my life. Prayer is a powerful evidence of what I really believe. Do I need to go to the first, the best human expert first, or do I go to the great I am, the Alpha, the Omega, the Almighty? That's a powerful question. Don't panic, pray. Hebrews 12, you remember it begins 12.1, talks about since you're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all the people from chapter 11. It says, throw off all the weight and all the things that weigh you down, the sin, 
that entangles us. And then in verse 2, it says this, fixing our eyes on Jesus. I love that phrase, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Well, how do I fix my eyes on Jesus? The answer, that's real simple. Prayer is one of the primary ways we fix our eyes on Jesus. Prayer. And I just want to challenge you. If you want to be cognizant of his presence, if you want to keep that and fix your eyes on Jesus, get up every day and just spend a little time talking to the Lord. Start talking to the Lord. Get, spend some time in his word. And just fix your eyes on Jesus. And then as you walk through your day, you come up with something, Lord, what do you think about that? Lord, begin to become a person of ongoing, regular prayer. You will be stunned at how it changes your view of what you're walking through and what you're dealing with every day. Other people in your life who you care about, your family members, your friends, one of the best things you can do for them is pray. One of the best things you can do is actually pray for someone. I know we feel like, well, but I'm not doing anything, and we want to go get our hands in there and do something, and that's great. Just understand prayer is the most powerful thing we can do. So I want to challenge us to be people of prayer. I love that this passage has prayer for the eyes. Prayed for the servant. Open his eyes. Because the truth sometimes isn't obvious. That's a prayer I pray for myself. Lord, open my eyes. Especially situations where things are tough or there's tension. Lord, I, I try to remember to stop. Lord, open my eyes. Let me see what you see. But also for my family, for my, my wife, my kids, my friends, the staff members, people I care about. I just, Lord, open their eyes. Open our eyes. Let us see what you see. Let us see reality differently. What you see is real. It's just not all that's real. And then, of course, the other prayer for the eyes is he prayed for his enemies. Lord, close their eyes. Lord, close their eyes. And he did. See, sometimes God doesn't need to change our situation, but simply how we see it. A second lesson I think we can learn from this is learn to see problems in light of God's presence. Learn to see problems in light of God's presence. That will change everything. You know that, that verse, that story brought out a truth. Those that are with us are more than those that are with them. Those that are with us are more than those that are with them. Do you know that understanding changes everything? And here's what I want to share with you. Um, that is true every single time. That is always true for us. Always. The scripture says that when we become followers of Jesus Christ, his spirit comes to reside in us. And an army of angels is awesome, but it's nothing compared to the very spirit and presence of God. Scripture calls our bodies the temple of the Holy Spirit. So that means, remember, New Testament version of that is greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So no matter what situation we go into, oh, those that are with us are more than those that are against us. Yeah, but there, it's, there's this huge thing arrayed against me. Yeah, but those that are with you, the Lord and his presence, it's way more than those that are with them. Yeah, but there's a lot and that's real. Of course it is. Those that are with us more than those that are with them. We, we all have problems and stuff we face. We all have struggles. We all have challenges. How different would it be? Just stop and imagine this. And I don't care if you're five years old and it's a problem with someone at, in kindergarten or in school. I don't care if you're a teen, a student, college student, adult, work, retired. I, it doesn't matter. We all have concerns. Here's how I know. If you are awake and conscious and have a pulse in here, you probably have some concerns. Okay, that's a pretty good bet. Stop and think about the concerns that you've had over the last week or so. Just think about them. 
How would you view them differently? How would your response be differently? How would your plan of action be different if you viewed that in light of the fact that, oh, God's right here. The creator of all things loves me, cares for me, and is with me. How would you view that different? How would your response be different? I mean, and it could be something as simple as that, thing, that encounter I had with my wife that was maybe not so much fun. Okay? How would my response have been different if I remember, oh, he's with me? Or that financial issue that I, had, I was wrestling with. And how would my response be different if I just stopped and remember, oh, wait a minute, God's with me, he cares, he's present. And he said he'd always be with me. How would my responses be different if I lived in the reality of his presence with me always? It would change things. Think about that. Viewing our circumstances in light of his presence. We all have issues. We all have problems. Kids, parents. Let me, let me just give you a, a hint, parents, with the kids here in the room. Uh, problems are one of the best chances, best opportunities to, to disciple your kids. Problems are a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity for any one of us. But it is a great opportunity to disciple your children. To say, okay, well, let's pray about that. That's real. You know, this is something we're facing even as a family. Let's pray about it. Let's see what God says. Let's open the word. What does his word say? And, and begin to shine the light of God's word on the real stuff. Because problems are where our hearts are open because we care so much. Or there wouldn't be problems. If we didn't care, it's like, okay, that's not a big problem. Next. But it's that stuff that we care about when we're afraid or when we're concerned or anxious. And that's an opportunity to just stop and disciple and say, okay, what does God say about this? And pray and begin to see our faith build. See, sometimes God doesn't need to change our situation, but simply how we see it. Last thing, and I'll wrap with this. We need to walk in the confidence of faith. Walk in the confidence of faith. I think we're too often afraid and insecure. I think Christians uh, way too often are afraid and insecure. It's like we're always trying to guarantee our safety, always trying to make sure we're okay. If this, in this story, Elisha would have taken that perspective, he absolutely should have ordered the Syrian army killed when he marched them into the capital of Israel. Because this is a foreign army. They came to do harm. They have weapons. But he didn't. He shows an absolutely different kind of confidence. Remember the king of Israel said to him, should I, should I kill them? In verse 22 and 23, he says, do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill men you've captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. And listen to this. So he prepared a great feast for them. These are, these are enemy. A great feast. Another translation says a banquet for them. And after they finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. That's a high level of confidence. Confidence to bless my enemies, not try to kill them. That's powerful. That's confidence at a different level. You know, I mean, we live in a world that can get so contentious over all kinds of things, politics, whatever, and we seem to be dividing ourselves all the time. And it's like we feel like we have to destroy the, the enemy. We need to understand, um, there's someone who God loves, and they, they may be wrong, and it's okay to speak the truth, and, but do it in love. But then remember, God is in control. We so often get insecure and afraid. It's like we feel like our backs are against the wall. 
You know, especially we Christians in America, we see our influence slipping, and that's scary. That's scary. We're like, wow, it used to be different. Our faith used to be respected. It used to be influential. What's going to happen? And you have to understand, God's not sitting there fretting, oh, no, what will I do? Oh, the Roman Empire, that was tough, but America, no way, I can't do that. Do you understand how many times throughout history, empires, emperors tried to destroy the church of Jesus Christ and failed? Because, man, God's not insecure. We shouldn't be either. We don't have to be always defensive. And all that. That, that's, not, that's, not, that's not who we serve. There's a confidence in faith knowing he's here. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And that is always true. And so I don't have to try to kill that other guy. I don't have to try to fearfully protect myself. I actually can take risks. I can be open. I can cross the aisle to show love to someone who's on the other side of the table or on the other side of the aisle from me. And I can be confident in that because I serve the God of the universe and because it is true. There's more with us than with them. And here's the thing. God's not going anywhere. He's with you today. Jesus said, Lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Imagine the difference that kind of confidence would make if we would walk in that. Remember, sometimes God doesn't need to change our situation, but simply how we see it. Thank you, Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Real Life Radio in this series called Unseen, Awakening Real Faith. And if you'd like to hear the full unedited message and this series, it's available right now when you find the sermons link at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to come and visit us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road, right behind Rotama Park. You can find the details, directions, and service times also at reallife.org. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time for more Real Life. Real Life.